Welcome back to the Cult House Podcast. I'm your host, the scholar of spite and the Saturday Night Delight, Roger Riddell. Joining me today, he is the vocalist for Cryptopsy, the host of the Vox and Hops Podcast, and Canada's foremost appreciator of my skills as an enunciation savant, Matt McGacky. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm great, Roger. Super, super stoked to be back. Uh, it's, I feel like it's been a while since I've been here. What, we were two, two years ago, hypothetically? I, I was trying to think about it before I sat down here. Uh, feels good to be back. I remember enjoying my previous experience, so I'm excited for this one. Yeah, it was uh, November 2021, and I feel like uh, we've both probably been up to a lot since then. <laughs> Life uh, tends to do things to us when you um, when you try to never be satisfied and or comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, so I guess, you know, kind of the big thing for you recently has been that uh, Cryptopsy put out its first album in 12 years back in September, uh, As Gamora Burns. Uh, what's that experience been like for you, just having that out and, you know, getting more music out there? It's been great. We have, you know, Cryptopsy, we're a band that it takes, tends to take, and we're trying to change that always. A lot of time between releases and that's because we digest and we, we nitpick at everything but then this time around you add a global pandemic into it and being from montreal canada the restrictions were pretty rough for the first year and we were like literally in a cabin in the woods when the entire world shut down in 2020 so it took a lot of time to finally get the record together and then like i finished recording vocals in 2022 june june 2022 to get the mix together, to get that all out. It's a relief that there's new music out and we are hungry and eager and have already started writing the next record. We're, we're eager to get new music out faster uh, because the response for Asgamora Burn has been very positive and we are extremely grateful to, to all the fans and all the friends that have been sharing the album and sending us messages and supporting us at the shows because Cryptopsy returned on tour finally. Since 2019, we hadn't been touring, and that's been just awesome to get back out there and experience that yin to my yang lifestyle of being a father of young children, working in a daycare, and then going on tour, which was my life for years and years. And then all of a sudden, everything was just me at home with my kids and or at work, less touring. So, so getting back into that lifestyle is nice. And, um, you know, the, luckily I had the podcast to give me visit through everything. And now it's a matter of finding enough energy and or time to keep the band running at full tilt and the podcast running at full tilt. Uh, it's it's a struggle, but it's it's working out at the, each each week. I managed to get an episode out. So it's working somehow. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I've been thinking about, you know, just this past week is I've been listening to the album again, uh, which is a great album, by the way. Thank but, you very um, much. Yeah, one of the things I've been thinking about is just like how fitting the title was for the last few years, because it's like as complex as 
society has become and as humans as a race of like creatures have become uh where we've just got all the information that we could ever want at our fingertips at any given time and we have so many things now that in a lot of cases prevent us from having to do just menial tasks that we otherwise wouldn't want to do but then a germ comes along and you know threatens to crumble <laughs> the whole thing it's true that's true it's also very fitting for for cattle decapitation with bring back the plague apparently uh, <laughs> they had like huge stickers all over the road cases <laughs> and they had to i guess like meticulously pick them off <laughs> as the world was crumbling but i had a the title asgamora burns for for a while before even everything started uh i chose the name because cryptopsy was initially called gamora uh way back in the day they for like a very short period of time until they went to go play a show and there was another band on the bill called gamora so that was the end of that name so saw so that i from that idea that always like stuck in my head how can we honor you know 30 years of the band's creation while doing something new and then it really fit into this concept of sodom and gomorrah versus the internet the the plethora of knowledge and wealth um an abundance of just everything that we'd ever want as you as you mentioned and the insatiable uh, need uh, for more and more that we as humans have whether it be anything it's just we're, we're never satisfied we always want more and the internet is really feeding into that and definitely hits all those like dopamine drips that just makes us just so addicted to the goddamn thing because it is unbelievably useful of course this conversation is happening right now thanks to it on zoom um, i was sitting right here eating supper with my kids and they were like how do they like, you know, pit this many olives, you know, when they stuff them with the red pepper? And I was like, I don't know. Let's look on the Internet. And so so the, there's a bunch of great things, obviously, that have happened thanks to the Internet and a bunch of wonderful things that continue to happen. But there's definitely a bunch of negative things that happened as well. And I dig I dug deeply into that uh, for the album, finding multiple stories about like stalkers, uh, online bullying, isolation um catfishing um people religious sects and cults that take advantage of either um fragile people or the elderly and i just expanded upon each one of these defamation another one and i just messed around and then found like true stories and then took each story and worked with it as a creative writing experiment to create something um that's my own out of respect to the people that uh, suffered because of the internet and then try to create something cohesive that fit into this concept of Sodom and Gomorrah being in parallel with the internet and that's where as Gomorrah Burns came from yeah I mean there's there's all these cautionary tales kind of along those lines in you know myth and fable of uh various religions over the years and just kind of like when you think about it we do have all this information at our fingertips, but at the same time, like I think every now and then about whether or not it's all evolved at a rate faster than humanity's ability to process having that much information at their fingertips has evolved. Cause like, I'll talk to my mom every now and then, for example, and she's just like, Oh, the world's so much worse now than it was when I was a kid. And I was like, it's not any worse than it was when you were a kid. You just know everything that happens anywhere, anytime. That's true. That's, that's true. That it's, 
I, I don't think we're ready for everything. And it's it's constantly evolving even faster. So it's going to be just by the time my kids are old enough to have free reign on the internet without me having access to it, it's going to be a whole different world that I'm not going to understand. So it's it's even faster than every generation at this point, the evolution of the, this this machine that we've created. Yeah, what it was uh, 25 years ago, 30 years ago at this point. It's it's unbelievable. Um, there was the whole AI conversation that we could talk about, the whole AI for art, AI for movies, AI for videos, AI for music. Um, there's the the chat GBT, which literally, literally we use it. You know, I it's we use it crypto to for social media to write content. It's it's easy, and you just feed it what it needs, and then you make it your own afterwards. But there's useful tools out there that that we that are amazing, but it's scary the evolution of everything. And, and I do not think that the human race is is prepared for what's coming. And I'm not like some old man screaming at a cloud. I'm just uh, just a dude from Montreal that has young kids that uh, we try to be careful with everything that realize that my own um relationship with social media in particular and the internet is a toxic one i'm extremely addicted i don't know if it's the same thing for you with the podcast that you feel like you always have to be on top of stuff checking stuff trying to to respond to comments to it's that dopamine drip of getting the notification so i, I have nothing on my phone i've removed all notifications for years but i still go and check periodically and we all do this and you see there's all these pictures of bands on tour and i remember my first tours when there was maybe one dude in the band that had a cell phone and we would be backstage and we would talk <laughs> and nowadays backstages are people sitting in a circle on their telephones and there's I, I guarantee you that there was more fun had back in the day probably not that we're not having fun but it's just a different type of experience it's 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 extremely interesting and bands have to spend so much more time uh, promoting themselves than creating music and they promote it themselves nowadays using social media and if you don't have let's say the financial means or someone in the band to do it to be out on the road with you taking pictures of you uh, throughout the entire tour a social like a content creator we can call them for the band it becomes that uh, you are missing an opportunity you are seen as a bit of a dinosaur that you don't have this content and you know what bands should really be doing is writing music and and this is what the new generation of rock stars are becoming if you think about lorna shore as a perfect example they're great they're, like i'm not there's nothing they're great musicians will is a fantastic vocalist but they have killer social media and that really helped and will is a star on tiktok and that definitely helped so so half the battle of of being a good musician is not good enough anymore you have to also have strong social media and play the game of social media and that just adds even more to to this addiction of 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 being connected obsessed and continually uh, involved in a fake universe that's that's very far from what you're actually sitting in and it's as isolating at the same time as you're connected to hundreds and thousands of people and you finally meet them and you it feels like you know them we do know them like when you meet someone that, that you've only communicated with on on the internet when you sit with them you feel like you know them but it's very different than someone that you've actually lived with it's it's very very strange and the future is going to be stranger and uh, I'm here. I'm in for the long haul about this. I, I want to write at least one more album about 
social media and specifically, I have a whole, I had a nightmare and I woke up and uh, I wrote down the title of the album, the next album, and I have the whole concept and it's about man's relationship or the human's relationship, sorry, the human's relationship with, with social media. And I'm going to mess with that for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's kind of bizarre too, just thinking about what it became versus where it began. Cause yes. like, <laughs> I can remember when I, when I started undergrad, like Facebook was still a thing where you had to be going to a certain college and have an email yeah. address tied to that to sign up for it. And then yeah. they started allowing everyone and slowly, but surely, um, you know, it connected everyone. It's super useful. Yeah. It's as ungodly, so god darn useful, but it's it's such a trap. And I was like, with my kids this past weekend, I was like, we're talking about these books that we use in the house. And I was like, look, they're listening to us. It's it's here. Why would this be here? An ad for the same series of books. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's it's crazy. But then we're like, oh, this is normal because it is. But it's crazy. It's it's crazy. It's really interesting. And who knows where it's going to go? It's going to be something awesome and fun, uh, but extremely scary. And the isolating factors that are potential dabbling with like the beer media that I do on top of the podcast and being friends with people that literally make their living taking pictures with beer or with hard liquor at this point because the beer industry is going in the shitter. Knowing that they're so fucking depressed half the time. And they're taking these pictures and they're so happy in, in what they portray to, to the world. And it's, it's, it's crippling isolation. It's unbelievable. It's, it's exciting. I'm, I, we're, we're living in wild times, Roger. I just, I just can't wait to, to, to see where, where, where everything goes and how it happens. And um, keep feeding me ideas, people, please. Cause, cause you know, keep being creative and inventing stuff to 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 destroy the human race more because Cryptopsy has a good 10 years left in it. And I and I want to write a few more albums worth of content. Yeah, I mean, my favorite one of my favorite phenomenons of this whole like social media age and, you know, you kind of touched on it with the uh, the beer photos and whatnot. But the like extreme end of that is the influencers who will rent out things like private jets Yes. So that they can appear to be living this lavish lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> but the same thing, bands do the same thing where they're like, yes, last night you were so sick. And it's a picture from four tours ago or four nights ago. And it's, 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 it's painting an illusion. It's something that I've been saying. I, it's a joke that I always do with the podcast whenever someone like says, oh, you know, Matt, the podcast is doing great. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the illusion persists. This is something that... <laughs> podcasting is super cool for that because you, you, if you don't know where to look you will not see the numbers and i realized that early on so i faked it a lot at the beginning now i'm doing okay but but the beginning there was i was like oh yeah so many people are listening you, you should be on the podcast because trust me it's it's doing great it's the illusion persists yeah and it's the My, same uh... thing with influencers it's it's <laughs> creating a fake um life and a fake uh, portrait of what they want to portray to the world while in reality, the human that's actually there is is probably a huge, very very sad individual, and I maybe not, but it's, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, my favorite reaction that I've ever gotten from anyone with this podcast is um, whenever people respond to me, and you know, they refer to me and my team. I'm like, oh, this is just me. Like it's, I did, I did all the editing and the, yeah. the illustration and everything. It's all us, yes. Yeah. So some people have a team. I know that they do. 
Um, but personally, I like to keep it that, you know, I'd, I'd have to really, really, really trust a person to come in and start doing stuff at this point with the podcast. Today, I got a message from the network I'm on and they're like, we're going to start running this ad thing across the entire network. And I was like, I'm going to say no, because I don't want anything different. Like my my fan base is my, after 400 episodes, there's a relationship that's built there. And I'm not sure I want to, you know, take away that trust by putting some weird thing in it. And it's happened in the past where I've flagged a few things. And I've actually have a friend that listens to the podcast for me to tell me if they hear anything weird. Because I, I don't listen to my podcast once it's published. I doubt you listen to your podcast once it's published. It's like, we did that work and we're on to the next one. I don't know how it is for you, but that's how it is for me. Um, so so I want to keep that that relationship sacred between me and the Vox and Hops as that that listen to the podcast and have been following the podcast for the past five years. I want it to be like a glimpse into to my psyche and to basically as if they were in the room with us right now. So so it's a sacred thing. And um, yes, there is no team. It's us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, just to circle back to the social media thing, I think one of the other like crazy phenomenons that um, we're kind of bearing the most negative results of from it now is just that like as much as it's enabled us all to connect with people around the world who share similar interests to us. It's also allowed every place's village idiot to connect with every other place's village idiot and validate each other. <laughs> now that's a whole different can of worms with what's happening down in the States now, but I'm not going to open up that. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I, yeah, it's going to happen again. I hope not, but um, the, <laughs> yes, I agree that that in every city or high school or anything there was a strange person and we could also we could parallel this with metal though which will make this have a much more positive spin at least there's that aspect of it if you're a metalhead and the only metalhead in your high school back in the early 90s you were alone and you would have to listen to your metal by yourself <laughs> and hopefully one day there'd be some new kid that moved into the city and or high school so that you could, you know, have a metalhead friend. Nowadays, with the internet, there is an accessibility to connect with like-minded people, other metalheads, or as you mentioned, not the, the sharpest tool in the shed people that, that think certain things that we don't agree with um so so it's it's there's a, a lot of positives and negatives and everything uh i took the whole experiment of i love writing concept records because if not i feel that i don't know what to write about to to just cryptops he's not the type of band where i'm gonna like sit there and bear my soul it's not gonna fit the vibe of the music it had to be something dark something uh, not creepy, but like that that gave you like a sense of dread and malaise is the word that I've been using to describe the new uh, vibe in cryptopsy, such as the last two tracks in Obeisant and Praise of the Filth, that weird, uneasy-esque neurosis approach to to dread sounding. And um uh, my relationship with the internet, social media in particular, is definitely something that makes me feel that in the pit of my stomach. So I, I felt comfortable um digging into that and portraying these horrible horrible subject matter uh in an interesting way written from the perspective of of characters in the story 
whether it was the victim or the person inflicting the damage uh, through their like mindset, their psyche, their intellectual quotient, the, 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 the way that uh, they think, such as Godless Deceiver, um, Nuclear Blast being awesome, putting out the record. We're extremely wary about us doing a lyric video about a girl getting beaten to death by a group of uh, humans, uh, which is the true story of what happened in Brazil. So I wrote the song from the perspective of the 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 crowd, the horde uh, that is a crowd mentality, extremely primitive because crowds aren't going to be eloquent. And um, I, you know, I had to depict that I, I don't have any negative feelings towards women. It's really written from a barbaric crowd mentality of what happened in Brazil, where a, a girl was uh, attacked because there was children being taken in a small village in Brazil, and a local news site on Facebook published a sketch of what this this girl looked like, or this woman looked like, the, the suspect looked like. And they were like, oh, that looks like this woman that lives in our city. And the city went and basically lynched her. Uh, and then they realized they were wrong. So, so which uh, I wrote the song very primitively and Nuclear Blast was worried about that. It would be badly interpreted. Luckily, nothing, no backlash came, but uh, I, I, we, it was smart of them and smart of me to, to agree to put a disclaimer that, of what the song is about. And it's not my personal feelings towards or advocating anyone to do anything such as that because that is the farthest thing from when I when I do something like this. It's like a horror movie. People that make horror movies don't want their movies to be reenacted. It's it's meant to be an uh, an experience. It's meant, it's meant to be something that fits the the thematic of the movie of the song, and that definitely did. Yeah, um, when it comes to that uh, sort of subject matter, like. It is kind of like commonplace in metal to explore those darker sides of human impulses. So like, I guess sort of like, what's the thought process when it comes to that? Because, you know, like Slayer writes Angel of Death and they're not really trying to glorify Mingala. No, no, you know? exactly. No, no. For, my, for myself, it's like I really I find a story that works and then I literally just sit there and I just hash out a first draft. Of, of not even fitting it to the music, just, just smashing out um, a perspective. This side around, I really wanted it to read as if it was written on a blog or something, as if it was posted on the internet. So, so most of the songs are written like that. And then I always like to have like a finale that it feels like there's a twist or my M. Night Shalalah, however you pronounce that poor man's name, I'm sorry. Um, twist at the end of a song. That's when I know I'm finished. But every and then I'm very loose about everything. And then me and Chris, the guitarist producer, we work together to piece everything together. But I, I am the farthest thing from a from an <clears throat> aggressive person. Uh, I use this. It's very like a creative writing process of finding a topic and expanding upon it. Making Chris likes things to be very brutal. The first uh, few albums I wrote for, he wanted me to be meaner, to to like a like a more because Lord Worm wrote arguably some of the best death metal lyrics in the world, and 
Mike did a goddamn fine job too. So for me to follow up that, it took me a few years to get the <clears throat> the lyrical chops up to standards for Cryptopsy. And I think uh, touring Non So Vile really helped me comprehend the the lyrical um, themes and lyrical style and phrasing of what works for Cryptopsy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, just going off of your point earlier that like you know people don't make horror movies to see them reenacted. I was just kind of thinking like, you know, what if a band like Cannibal Corpse was actually like intentionally writing their songs? That would be, to, to that's, be that's, that, that's see that that's a horror movie I want to see. What if we make a horror movie about a band that writes horrible things, but in the music there's something that like creates like a psychotic trance and then that person reenacts the song <laughs> now that's a sounds like a concept album that's a <laughs> that could be like a death metal rock opera there you go i used to want to do that back in the day but <laughs> it cost too much yeah. yeah yeah i mean um you know i don't i wonder how much it would cost to do just like a, a low budget version of that just given how much like high-end video technology is like actually in a phone now that's true no you're 100 right it'll be much less because i had the idea back in the i think it was early 2000s to do something like that but nowadays it's it's with ai you can you can get around with a bunch of stuff that's it's you're, you're hitting good points here roger we yeah. could do it eventually we need like 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 a like a great vocalist though i guess it could be anyone but back in the day i wanted to get like real artists to be in it but you kind of it's too expensive to ask maynard to take time off from tool and making wine to come be in my rock opera. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it would it would be pretty wild uh to see that happen though. Um like that Mike, kinda... Mike Patton and Maynard in a yeah. rock opera. <laughs> I mean, I would watch it. Yeah. I, I would uh, there there was this there was one that was pretty close. It was horrible though. It was called Repo Man. I don't know if you watched this. The, the genetic mm -hmm. opera um, with Paris Hilton in it for some reason. <laughs> some of those songs were banging. <laughs> could have been, it could have been heavier, but it, it, it sort of fit the idea of not necessarily the storyline, but the idea of, of what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah. I mean, that's really kind of hard to pull off too. Cause like a concept album on its own is a, a challenging prospect, you know, just musically, but then writing it to fit a movie uh, yeah no 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 it's crazy yeah. like i i and another thing that i i did this once and i regretted it and it wasn't with cryptops it was this, this project i had after the unspoken king a rock band called the era of and i wrote a book of short stories to go along with the music and i googled the average reading pace for humans and i wrote that many words per song and i accomplished it and i did it but you write a story and then all of a sudden you're like, well, this song, you know, it shouldn't be number two anymore. It should be number nine, you know, and it just totally screws up your, your storyline there, guys. And I fought for it and eventually they agreed with me. But I, since then I've decided that if I'm ever doing a concept album, there's no like story arc. It's just going to be like an umbrella concept and multiple things fall in because I know what other bandmates do. They like to change song orders. Yeah. And then you also have like the times that bands will try to make, 
a rock opera after the fact with like all the music that they've already made in the past yeah yeah i don't yeah. know if that's what you're talking about that dream through album because that was goddamn horrible well did <laughs> you ever see the the metallica through the never i did yes i like, did I, yeah. I got what they were trying to do with it but it just didn't really work even though the sound mix on all those live tracks was great it was yeah they filmed some of that in montreal in edmonton or something oh. montreal too man i think maybe yeah, I think I I vaguely remember seeing that in like the like Edmonton, Calgary, because yeah. because when like you know the disasters happen when are when they're on stage, I was like, I remember seeing like on socials, like on socials, yes, because I'm addicted. <laughs> uh, that uh... <laughs> <laughs> a complete hypocrite. <laughs> Don't look at your phones. Let me look at my phone. But no. Um. So one other thing. Uh about the album title that I was thinking of earlier. Um, and this was just like a funny thing that popped into my head uh, just randomly. Uh, I was thinking about like, you remember back in the 90s, there was that kind of like crest of death metal with like death and roll and everything. And Entomb put out the album Wolverine Blues and their yeah. label was yeah. like, you all should put the comic character Wolverine on here so we can do this cross promotion thing even though it has nothing to do with the album at all. Yeah, yeah. So it just randomly crossed my mind. <laughs> the Guardians, Guardians of the yeah, Galaxy. Yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy character. <laughs> that was one of the things, that was one of the things that, that put the band uh, with a bit, gave them a bit of unease was the fact that there was a huge Marvel character that had this name. That That is, I'll, I'll admit to that. I'll, 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 she's, she's a great actress. She looks real nice. I'll, I'll, I would collaborate with her. And then funnily enough, I did voices for the Guardians of the Galaxy video game. Nothing crazy. I did some monster sounds. It doesn't matter. It's just ironic. The one thing, though, about the album title and Chris, our producer guitarist, is like really uh, the ultimate hater. So, so he likes to find things that the fans will make fun of before they make fun of them and then we don't do that you know <laughs> because his brain like <laughs> thinks like a hater and he realized like way later we had submitted the album everything was done as gonorrhea burns and he, <laughs> he's like fuck i didn't think about that and he was like sincerely worried and now that i'm saying it everyone's gonna start saying it but but it, it, it hasn't come around yet you know i mean could also with like a slight tweak be a concept album about kaiju and it could be as gamma burns there you go <laughs> <laughs> hell yes hell yes and uh so with the touring uh you know after being off of uh of the road for so long with getting back into the swing of things with that um how long did it take to i guess sort of get back into a groove of keeping your vocals in shape on the road I was afraid of that. So I worked really, I worked, I jammed in my room, my bedroom behind me. I used to go to like a jam room and I was like, I just, I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it here. And I <laughs> did. I started about two months, three, two months before the tour started. I would do sets in my bedroom religiously. And because of that, I was great and in shape and having just the ultimate blast of a time. We also, we like to do everything all at once, Cryptopsy, so we switched to in-ears right before the tour, and then basically we're trying them out on the road for the first time. The first 10 shows were not 
our favorite experiences. Some, and then there's some, there was always like one guy that was like, tonight was sick. And we were like, oh my God, tonight was horrible. By the end of it, by the like second half of it, the in-ears system really was ultra beneficial. It's incredible to have like the click in your ear and you're always perfect would be one word. But if you do make a mistake in the moment, you're like, oh fuck, I fucked up. But you catch yourself so quickly, so much quicker than before. And then when you watch the video, you're like, oh, I fucked up. And it's like immediately we're back. And it's like, oh, that's so it's a huge tool. Something that technology, once again, is is, is really making things way better for us. Um, super, super fun. But no, I worked really, really hard to get back into shape because extreme vocals is something that uh, we forget how to do for some reason and uh it's like a muscle it's like going to the gym if you are uh, someone that goes to the gym religiously for a month straight you love it if it hurts the first few days and then by the end of it you are lifting x amount of weight and you're like yeah this is awesome you take two months off you go back to the gym and you hit that same amount of weight you're gonna feel real sore the next day screaming is a little bit like that um it gets better with time and you know how to do it but it's something you got to practice. It was uh, it was fun. I like I, I jammed with my son. He was like playing drums one night, as I was um, screaming in his face. Uh, it was it was awesome. It was it's it did real good. It felt real good to be back on tour. And I would lie in my bunk on the bus, and uh, find and and like literally every night just be like, this is awesome. Like I need to appreciate being here because who knows? I thought it was gone. You know, like I thought it was over at some moments during the pandemic uh, after you know it had been so long and to be back there on the bus and to show up and have great shows in in so many cities across the states it was it was amazing and then touring with your friends abysmal dawn getting back on the road with them we toured with them in 2016 with cannibal corpse um living on a bus with them this time was incredible super fun and Visceral Disgorge came out and did the the from Cali back to Montreal with us. And I had toured with them in 2017 and to like spend that much amount of time with them because they were on the bus too. Just a privilege where we're so stoked to be back uh, and touring and we're planning a lot of stuff. We're getting a lot of offers and we're saying no to some things. Uh, we are trying to make the best decisions for ourselves, for the band, for the fans. And uh, 2024 is looking good so far. So uh, we're we're excited. We're excited. And we survived uh, our second trip to Asia in uh, in late November into December. It was extremely intense physically, amount of uh, the amount of flights, the amount of waiting at airports, but unbelievable gigs. So much fun. Yeah, I know you've got a European tour coming up in uh, March, right? In a month, just about uh, late uh, February, we're headed off for the Unquestionable Blasphemy Tour uh, alongside Atheist and Almost Dead. Uh, it's going to be great. I, I, I've never done this, and I don't know why I've never done this, but I'm using the podcast as a way to promote things, which I have in the past, but not this way. So I had an, I was like, I wrote, we had the same management as, as Atheist. So I was like, could you like put me in touch with Kelly and I could like, have a podcast with him and like basically talk about the upcoming tour and basically promote it that way just something that i should have been doing for the past five years my guess there was no tours in my defense and uh, <laughs> it was great it was super cool to like i'd never met kelly to sit down and have that chat and then know that we're like going to hop onto a bus together in a month play all over europe together 
uh, it's cool. I'm excited. I'm I want to do the same thing with Almost Dead, the other band on the package, and get uh, their side of like their excitement, hopefully, of coming out on the road with Cryptopsy and touring all over Europe, and uh, sorry, all over Europe and UK and Ireland and Scotland. Um, the PC, the 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 proper way of saying that, not the PC. I apologize. And um, it's going to be cool. I, I'm excited. We have uh, a bunch of stuff coming up in 2024. It's 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 cool. Yeah, uh, is there any plans to tour in the U.S. Uh, this year? There is a um, Maryland Death Fest. That's that's where Blasphemy Made Flesh is happening. Um, that's been in the works for a while. So that, and then we have other things that I can't talk about that I will hit you up if we're close by. Yeah, definitely. Let me know if you all pass through Chicago. Absolutely, absolutely. Last time, the closest we came, we were at the Forge, which tends to happen for some reason. Yeah, there's uh for some reason a lot of metal shows now get booked down there or like there's some venues west of here in one of those suburbs or they end up some of the bigger shows end up at the casino down in like northern Indiana. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we had a good time at the porch. It was crazy. There was a bunch of people in wheelchairs in the pit. <laughs> it was it was incredible. They were they were awesome. And uh, I went to Miskatonic Brewing in the afternoon. Shout out to Mick uh, for hooking me up and picking me up and taking me out there and giving me the tour. Drank some beer with some friends that I hadn't seen in a long time. It, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, on the vocals thing, uh, what are some of the things that you do on the road to keep your vocals in shape? Because like I, I know that like like you said, it can be kind of like hitting the gym for the first time when you do it for the first time after a while, because, you know, you get kind of that like scratchy, like torn feeling in the back of your throat. Uh, and like and a sore, it... like sore abs and a sore back, like because you're yeah. pushing, just like trying to get that going. I literally do nothing now. I used to do a lot. I used to do the Zen of Screaming. I had Melissa on the podcast and <laughs> I love the experience <laughs> And I like literally used it all the time. But then this past summer, when I just started jamming in the bedroom, I would just do nothing and it worked. And then I went on tour expecting it not to work and it worked. So I literally do a little bit of like humming right before going on. Like, um, and I'm building that into like a throat singing type thing. And I'll do that like, well, the saw the band before me plays their last two songs, hypothetically. I'll stay really well hydrated, but not too well hydrated because I got to pee too much. <laughs> um, and I play the track, the, the show. There there was in Portland, we went, and I drank a few beers. I, I go out to, to breweries and have some beers and loosen up, but not too much because beer dehydrates you a lot. And I felt that in Portland. I was on stage and I was like, mm, I think I, I, over, I didn't drink enough water today balance out the dehydration factor because apparently john keeble had told me this from that warbringer is that it warbringer that makes sense right john keeble yeah. warbringer uh that the vocal cords are one of the first things to dehydrate actually in the human body so so i stay well hydrated i do a little bit of like deep humming into uh, throat singing and it's on it's it's just that's it yeah, and along with uh, the new Cryptopsy, you've also got a guest spot on uh, Aborted's new album. Mm -hmm. How did that uh, come about? Uh, Sven actually came out to our show in Denver. Maybe he had written me before that. No, he had written me before that. And then he came out to Denver. Uh, I toured with Aborted 
my first U.S. tour was with the Border back in 2008. Uh, I've known Zen for a very long time. He's always been super cool. We did two uh, Hell Over tours together, Hell Over Europe and Hell Over North America back in 2019, 2018 and 2019. And we got along just amazingly. I've had him on the podcast. He's just a sweetheart. Uh, he he just hit me up. It was uh, he, the, I, I, he, you know, he had to have 10 guests. I, I imagine I wasn't on the top of the list, but I still am happy that I got on the, that I got on. No, I'm joking. But when we did a Hell Over uh, North America, he asked me to do a song with him every night, uh, which is a song that the Grimo from Cytotoxin was doing in Europe with them. And it's his song. He's uh, the guest uh, vocalist on the album, on the track. So we really felt like our voices worked super well together. A lot of people told us that uh, their sound man had told us that their light guy, that the band really liked the way our voices melded together. And um, they released like other stuff. And I always like teased them to invite me. So so I imagine that my persistence paid off. Uh, but he came out. To, I, I was hoping to go do it while we were in Denver, but they weren't at that level or at that. He had just started vocals or something. So he literally just sent me like uh, his version of the track. And uh, I went to Chris's house, uh, Chris's studio, actually, that time. And I smashed it out in like 15 minutes. It was very easy. Uh, it was fun. Uh, I'm honored to be a part of it. I think it's a daunting endeavor for him to find that many guests on each track. It is a genius uh, social media marketing move uh, to have, you know, you release an album. There's the five members of the band promoting it. There's the label. There's the management. And then there's 10 more people and 10 more uh, branches of you know their bands sharing it their band members sharing it their labels sharing it it's like this spider web of everyone saying hey look um the vault of horrors is coming and they're always very smart with their merchandise uh I, he was like what's your address and i was expecting a cd and he sent me that uh it's like a rubik's cube um of their new thing that they're doing they're, they always come up with these these smart um social media like little things that you could share on social media that looks cool and everyone's gonna want and like you know i love when uh when bands go the extra mile with stuff like that um even to like before mostly everything went digital and there's still some bands that do this but down to like the packaging of an album or a cd when it's just something that's unique and stands out uh even if it's just like the kind of paper used in the booklet or you know just things like that I think it's awesome. And, and if a band has that relationship with their label, that they will go and invest the extra mile for them because they know that the band, um, their fans and their community will appreciate that and it's worth the investment. I think it's awesome. And um, tell me about the uh, pit culture uh, with Metal Injection. That was cool. That's a project that's wrapping up right now. Um, I wish I gave it more attention. Is this well? I'll start with that. I, I, I've i toured across the globe and people always ask me, Matt, what is your favorite place to play? And I always say it's the same everywhere. It's uh, You go to Japan, you go to South America, you go to Montreal, you go, mosh pits are the same. People react to extreme music in the same way, no matter where it is. It's incredible how it happens like that. So I wanted to educate the world about what happens in mosh pits because a lot of people think mosh pits are extremely violent and intense, which they are, but it's actually about, there's a lot of love and community 
that happens in a mosh pit. Not always, but the majority of the mosh pits that I've witnessed are full, filled with a sense of uh, camaraderie and uh, taking care of one another in an aggressive manner. It's, it's like you're engaging in a social ritual that, that you understand that there's some risk and it's just something that you're going to, it's a risk you're willing to take to have that visceral experience. So I hit up Frank from Metal Injection, shout out to Frank, he's awesome, and asked him to present the project because they are one of the biggest metal news media sites um, on the planet. So I wanted to have someone like that associated to the project. What's more metal than Metal Injection? And then I had Yakima Chief Hops, so shout out to uh, Luke, um, who I'm having a meeting with tomorrow for another project. Um, for hooking up all the breweries with uh, a lot of free hops for, for being a part of the project. And I teamed up with 30 breweries from across the globe, from Japan to Australia to Mexico to Denmark to France to Cyprus to Italy to uh, just all over the place, Canada, the States. Uh, and I released 30 beers, uh, all named uh, different mosh pit moves or things that happen in mosh pits, such as Wall of Death, um, circle pit, headbang, breakdown, whiplash, the, the, the list goes on and on. There's 30 beers out there. Uh, I used this artwork. Uh, it was a picture that was taken here in Montreal at Heavy Montreal from Susan Moss, who I love. She takes a bunch of amazing pictures and I used her picture to be the can art. It was an awesome project. It was, uh, I wish I gave it like more attention because like I'd find myself like beers come out and I just make a post about it. I feel like I could have done more content with it. But with um, Cryptopsy coming back like in full-fledged, the podcast running, this project, doing another beer project called Haze Wars, being a father of two, working full-time, sometimes things slip through the cracks. And I did my best with culture, but I don't think that I excelled at it. Uh, but the idea was cool, and I'm proud of it. And uh, everyone released their beers, and everyone seemed to be really happy. Uh, we're waiting for one more beer to be released from Ribald Brewing. Uh, which is in California, and that should be coming out very soon because they 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 are they brewed it like a few weeks ago, so it should be getting canned, if not this week, then soon. Yeah, uh, do you feel like it was the project was kind of like a spiritual successor to Brutal North America? It was a little bit, yes, because I connected with so many of the same breweries. Uh, removing the band aspect from it made things easier because. The more cooks in the kitchen always makes a project more difficult. It always just adds a level of complexity to to any project. So, so I liked Brutal North America, and I've sort of transformed that into my Brutal events, where I have shows here in Montreal. I've done it in Winnipeg as well, where there's the, the killer craft beers get dragged into the venue, and they only sell good beers at the shows. Um, but I, I liked it and, and I, someone is rebrewing one of the beers, uh, in Quebec here, actually from, from brutal North, uh, brutal North America. Um, I just got a message the other day that he's redoing the recipe, but under a different label and everything. And I was like, whatever, man, you just have fun. There's no money in beer for me. It's just about branding exposure and it's about fun and it's about creating an aesthetic thing and connecting with people and making metal more wildly, widely accepted, within the beer community. That's that's my goal with, with that. Um, but I guess it's a little jump because I had indie merch involved um, with Brutal North America and then to have Metal Injection jump in. So I guess I guess you're right about that. You know, I, um, 
I don't think I uh, told you like uh, a year or so ago, but I did finally get to try that Atlas Moth beer. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it was great. From I don't know, like I it, yeah, it was from Wake. It was yeah. um kind of like it a fruit fruited beer. something. Yeah. yeah. Which I isn't really like that's normally my thing, but I I liked it. Hell yeah, Wake is the see that's a brewery that uh, we didn't have the chance to stop, and I've actually never met the Parish Brothers, and I totally want to meet them, and um one day I will. Um, since yeah. it was one of those people they made beers they also were a part of, of pit culture too so so people that have like made me a bunch of beers that i've never actually met i think it's it's a very unique interesting thing thanks to the internet <laughs> yeah no i um the beer culture thing is is great too because i've gone from one area that had great breweries to another area that had great breweries but i feel like it's getting more difficult to live in an area that doesn't have great breweries somewhere nearby because brewing I feel has become more I don't know if I would say more accessible in the last 10 years or maybe just more popular it's like it hit it's the bubbles burst here in yeah. Montreal it's it's really the the craft industry is suffering right here in Montreal there's a lot of breweries that are closing but the creative the 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 ones that invested properly uh are doing well and will continue to do well what is really it's really going to scale down i think there's going to be a lot less distribution over the next year to five years and it's going to be much more closer to that original experience of you go to a tap room it's brewed in the back and you enjoy it there and you walk away with a four pack i really think that's where the craft beer market is going because uh distribution is really really freaking hard and it's it's killing so many there's so many dead cans sitting on shelves that people didn't buy that that they, they blew up during the pandemic and they invested in growing and then people's drinking habits changed after the pandemic and the the newer generation i'm an old guy sounding like that old man again yelling about the internet yelling about the younger generation not drinking because they don't drink anymore they 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 drink seltzers and they they take drugs <laughs> <laughs> But they don't drink the way that we do. So so it's 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 a truthful thing. Uh, maybe it will change over time, but the craft beer industry is, is really changing. Yeah, no, I've um I've noticed that you know a lot of uh the small breweries that I liked a lot have transitioned from doing like the large bottles to doing cans and oh. um I always kind of liked it a little bit more when it was the large bottle. Like I feel like you can tell a difference in the taste, but um I don't know like how much the average person really thinks about this tastes different in a can versus a bottle. Mm -hmm. There was like a, a scarcity of, of, of bottles for a while, which is one reason why that happened. And it's easier to stack and ship cans. It's another yeah. reason why a lot of distributors were pushing towards breweries to, to move towards cans. I think I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just been kind of interesting seeing that transition. And then, you know, there was um, in the DC area, like out in Northern Virginia, there was a really small brewery that I liked called Adroit Theory. Oh, yeah. And um, it was interesting seeing them go from being like a place where you kind of had to like seek them out and like go there versus, oh, suddenly 
their beers are like regularly stocked at the organic market across yeah, the street. They're being, and they're being shipped to, to Japan and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Mark, I had Mark on the podcast a long time ago. Um, I've had a few of their beers there. They were intense, is is how I remember them. He sent me big boys. It was it was something. It was it was something. But they made uh, a pig destroy beer, if I remember correctly. And um, it looked intense, but uh, yeah, the breweries that like that, that, that succeed and invest well, will succeed. A lot of people, it's, it's tough. It's tough. The, the craft beer market. It's, I'm happy. I never opened a brewery. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're probably not the, uh, the only person who feels that way either at this point. <laughs> Very happy. And I have a lot of friends that this year are looking to sell and or trying to get away from it. Yeah, and, um, there was one other thing just to go back to uh, Asgamora Burns that I'm looking at my notes now that I was just writing things down. Um, so I'm from uh, Kentucky originally. And in Kentucky, we have two different tourist trap kind of things. Although I don't really know how many like normal tourists they actually trap. But there's so there's this guy he's like a televangelist kind of person uh, named ken ham and he has the creation museum which is where you can go if you want to be presented with the concept that humans and dinosaurs coexisted and we rode them around and then there's the ark experience and i bring this up because i this randomly crossed my mind when i was thinking about uh just the whole concept of gamora when i was in uh, college for a brief period. And this was back when like Kickstarter and GoFundMe and all that first came out. I never ended up doing it because I didn't really understand how the logistics of it would work at the time as far as like crowdfunding a thing and like whether you actually had to do the thing if a bunch of people sent you money, which you do. Well, you can ask yeah. Winter Sun, but... Uh... Yeah. So like my whole thing was this, is that I don't want to be on the hook to actually have to do this, but it's funny in thought concept is you crowdfund the idea of opening the Sodom and Gomorrah experience across the street from the Ark experience. Oh, yes. And then you go there and it's like a brothel and a brothel <laughs> with a library. <laughs> you get badgered by angels who want you to make terrible decisions uh, or who present you with terrible decisions to, to test your... Uh, your faith to to the lord or you know however oh, yes. that that part of the myth goes <laughs> i think there's enough uh, evil people out there that you might meet your 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 goal so you might be in trouble yeah i mean and that's the other problem with it too is like you know at the end of the day you raise the funds for this you actually go through with it and then you, you start to... a second no way that's winter sun again sorry <laughs> but you have to deal with with being on the hook for the liability for the whole thing at that point correct Correct. So, so, so I like the idea, but, but the follow through would be a bit difficult, but you would have to, and, and you do, and I've joked about it twice already, but, but Winter Sun did do that. They, they, they did a, a Kickstarter and they got lots of, I, that's the, I, I feel like it's Winter Sun. I feel like I'm saying the right band name and they, they accomplished their goal by like way more. And then they never released an album. And then they announced this month that they are going to release the album, but they need another crowdfund to do more things. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying that if I'm saying the wrong band name, people will write in the comments and say it's this band, man. But that happened this month. Yeah. You know, I, there's uh, there's been a few similar things like that over the years. Like I know about a, a decade ago, there was the whole Nocnistium thing where uh, Blake was ripping people off uh, 
promising the merch that never got sent in exchange for the money over PayPal. So God damn. Yeah. Be a nice person, people. Follow through with what you do. <laughs> yeah. Be uh, Canadian. No, <laughs> uh so last time that we talked, uh we you know went off on a tangent about uh new metal as well. Uh because yes. we had both been new metal kids. Still a new so, metal trout. One thing that I was thinking about since then, because um, the one time that I do go back and listen to older episodes is if I'm going to have a repeat guest on, just so that I can sort of refresh on what we discussed the last same. time. I do the same. I'm there. Yeah, and so Don't ask uh, that same question. We had we had talked about um, about corn and um, just like their place compared to like all the other new metal bands that were still around, and how they felt maybe a little bit more creatively stagnant at times but about a a month or so ago i got curious i was like i'm gonna listen to whatever their like most recent album was it's good it's it's like it's super good it's corn doing alice in chains almost there's moments but that last track is great yeah brings back the scat it was great i i think i think he he they 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 hit something on the last one they I think probably last time we spoke, we I had mentioned that comparing Slipknot and Corn, they tend to release the same year. And the previous releases, Slipknot was more interesting. Whereas this time around, Corn was more interesting. It's funny how that flip-flop happened. But it's it's, you know, all the power to them. They're still releasing music after 30 plus years, you know, up just about 30 years, 25 years. It's interesting, it's cool. New metal is is something interesting. It's it's unbelievable. I had to to, to to watch the fact that the bands that I grew up loving are now the headliners of like is it Vakin? Is Corn headlining Vakin? It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. This this resurgence, Limp Biscuit. That, that new Limp Biscuit's not bad. There's like two good songs, three good songs. It's but those two good songs are really good songs. It's interesting. And then there's a lot of these newer bands that are just feeding off of this new metal hype and interesting and i got pitched today or something from some label to 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 do this this the newest thing in in new metal it's i don't understand it's interesting but it's it's nostalgia is hard and it sells hard and would i have gone to sick new world if it was in montreal hell fucking yes i totally would have been there i want to see i want to see cold chamber live again I didn't even like them that much back in the day, but I found myself watching their videos on YouTube throughout the summer for some reason. <laughs> I want to see Mudvayne. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's nostalgia. It's unbelievable. And then there's all the kids that grew up with their parents blaring in the background that are writing their own music now, influenced by that with their own spin on it, with a lot more genre bending, even more genre bending, with more whatever is popular in the rap scene being dragged into to heavy music now. It's interesting. We'll see how long it goes. I'm not sure if Ska is going to have to come back. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. Green Day just had a freaking comeback. It's unbelievable. Yeah, no, I mean, you mentioned Mudvayne and like the one time that I ever saw them was uh, 2005 on the OzFest when they were in that spot, like right below Sabbath and Maiden. But Excuse at you. that point, like it was... I think they were on like their third album at the time and they were at the we're not doing the gimmick anymore thing. Yeah, I don't like that. I saw them like first album, 
with the bullet. And, and then they, when they came back, what did they come back as? With full mega, they know what people want. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I, I I went to see them and I was like, no, 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 I wanted the the crazy makeup or like the yes. aliens or whatever it was that you it's all like are that, doing. That you went to go see Kiss in the eighties, you know, like yeah, where's the makeup? What's going on? What did I fall in love with? Yeah, I mean, in some cases w- with Kiss, like they're practically doing you a service by coming out in the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> I if I could tour until that age and make the amount of money that they do. I would do the same. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even when they were younger, <laughs> I would the running the joke was that women used to tell Jean to put the makeup back on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I would do the same. They, they, they've done some things right in their career. So, so. Yeah. They made a disco beat metal somehow. <laughs> and that is actually one of, uh, one of my favorite albums of theirs is the, the disco album Dynasty. Oh yeah. Like, I should, just... I should listen to it more. I, I like yeah. only know that song. So I should definitely, I haven't gone deep into Kiss. I'll admit to that. I know that what plays on the, the hits, let's say, but I'm not like a Kiss connoisseur. And it's funny because the amount of people I've interviewed, especially older musicians, and a lot of them, their their first like love was Kiss. Where do they get into extreme like strange music, heavier music? Kiss is always that, always. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they uh, they just had that whole presentation that kind of you know kicked off a, a satanic panic of its own in the '70s. Mm-hmm. And they did the little gimmicks like the uh, the Marvel comic where they put a vial mm-hmm. of their blood into the ink. <laughs> see, see, they did that. Whereas nowadays we have to have a, a photographer on tour with us. So, so, so I guess their way was more expensive, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but they had laid more label support and sold more records. So I don't know. It's, it's a hard. It's a hard. It's a hard balance. Yeah, I mean, they they existed at a time before companies convinced everyone that you don't need to own the media that you enjoy it will yes. be available to stream anytime yes. you like unless your internet goes out yes which made such a difficult year for me last year i was like what is my top albums of the year and i'm like i don't know what did i listen to and i had to go back and like look and i was like oh yeah i like that why did i stop listening to it i was like oh yeah because i changed phones and it, my phone didn't like download all the albums that i liked i'm like oh yeah i like that album too it was it was a it was interesting. So our, our relationship with not holding a physical piece of something is something that's really changed a human's relationship with with with, with something, which is another thing that technology and the internet has brought to us. Yeah, I mean, one upside to to doing this podcast, and you know, I assume you've probably found this as well, uh, is that when I hit this point last year, where more publicists were reaching out to me and like offering me interviews, I was getting exposed more to music that. I ended up liking a lot that I might not have otherwise ever checked out. Totally true. Totally, totally true. Um, it's cool to like sit there and just have like a conversation with someone and you don't even know what their band sounds like until 20 minutes before you have the conversation. And then you get to know the person you're like, oh, I know this guy. And then you listen to the record and you appreciate it differently. And then you they come through town and because you know them, because we have a deep conversation with them, you go to the show, then you experience it completely different. It's 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 an awesome thing that happens thanks to the podcast. Yeah. And uh, so I've had you for about an hour now. I don't want to take up, uh, you know, your whole evening, but uh, is there anything else that you want to put out there? Um, Cryptopsy's coming on tour. Uh, where there, there's a bunch of cool stuff coming up in 2024. Up first, we have uh, our Unquestionable Blasphemy tour hitting Europe. Uh, go grab your tickets. Uh, if you want, I'm doing a guest list in exchange for craft beer exchange. 
uh, just hit me up on Vox and Hops' socials, and I will sort you out with the details. We drink a beer together. You get some guest list spots. We have fun. Um, there's more shows coming. Check out Vox and Hops. Uh, release an episode once a week, over 400 episodes if I'm on one of my one-month breaks, which I take every three months for mental health reasons. Uh, you can peruse the back catalog of 400 episodes. Uh, Roger, it was a pleasure. I appreciate it. And check out for my beers. There's beers that pop up here and there every once in a while. The next big beer project is going to be uh, here in Quebec um, called Haze Wars, where I pin breweries head-to-head to create the best IPA with a particular hop from Yakima Chief Hops. That's about it. Roger, thank you. Yeah, thanks again, Matt. I appreciate you. 